Coming up, Rachel Slater on choosing Scotland and the perils of grating cheese and a roundup of the eighth week of action in the league, all on the Cricket Scotland podcast. Ball out there, give Hamilton any wits, he'll take you. Captain Catherine Bryce comes under it, she won't make any mistake. That's the first wicket for Scotland. Six to win and Richie Barrington has finished it with a six. And that's the win for Scotland, they've secured the Super over. Oh, must be out, it is out! Scotland have done it! What a victory this is for Scotland, the greatest in their cricketing history. Hi again, great to have your company once more. Andrew and Clara are here again too. Uh, Clara, now you've had a particularly harrowing journey to get here today. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I finally came back from tour today. Um, and wow, Skipple Airport is like no other place I've ever been. We were stood in what looked like the longest queue ever, but then um, our VP found a sneaky way around the airport. So we... Um, managed to skip that and get through all fine but the queues today i'm queued out for the week for the month you know yeah i've seen (laughs) loads of pictures on social media it it looks absolute mayhem out there at the moment and andrew how are you doing a a, a little calmer looking yes yes no my uh my day has been a lot more normal than clara's just uh just the usual uh and had a good um enjoyable weekend of of playing cricket and watching cricket so uh yeah all ready to to cover uh, this week's action good stuff well as you say we'll reflect on everything that happened over the weekend in a bit as usual uh but first to our interview of the week Rachel Slater is the newest name on the Scotland block, having made her first appearances for the national side in the Commonwealth Games qualifier earlier this year. We caught up in the middle of last week to find out a little bit more about the Northern Diamonds and Superchargers SEMA. Rachel, welcome to the Cricket Scotland podcast. Really good to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Now, we will chat about the Diamonds, the Northern Superchargers and Scotland in due course. But first of all, let's talk about yesterday. 50 over warm-up game for the Northern Diamonds against Lightning, complete with some familiar Scottish faces in the opposition. Yeah, it was uh, good to get a run out. Obviously, the gap between 20 over and 50 over, like we were all saying yesterday, it's 50 over is a lot longer than you think, especially when you've been playing 20 over. So got to like 25 and we we're all like, oh my God, we're only halfway. <laughs> but yeah, it was good to get, get some practice and get some time out in the field. And obviously, always like nice to play against people, you know, and bowl at people, you know, so... So enjoyed that as well. Yeah, three for 21 and uh, the wickets of both your national captain and vice-captain too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like obviously happy to take wickets at the top of the order, whoever they are. Always nicer when it's when it's teammates. Um, I think Catherine was a bit unlucky, to be fair. I'm not sure how, how it hit the stumps um, when she got out. And I, like I wasn't aware that it had actually got her out, but... Um, you got to take all of them, don't you? Take about it. <laughs> yeah, look in the book, as they say. Yeah, and, well, uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, warm-up, preparation for the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, which is starting in uh, in July, of course, because, I mean, as you said, with the, the 25 overs 
tiredness. Uh, it's been pretty much all T20 cricket so far, hasn't it? I mean, how has the season as a whole been going for you so far? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit stop-start um, with a couple of injuries or an injury in pre-season and then had COVID kind of midway through the T20 comp. So it's been a little bit stop-start, but we've got a month now or three weeks. Um, so hopefully can get into a bit of rhythm before that 50 over competition starts, as you said. But it has been quite nice to start with the 20 over because I think last year we started with 50 over. And when you go straight from nothing into 50 over, it's a bit like, oh my God. Um, so it's kind of been nice to have that stepping stone, but I guess there's still quite a big jump and a bit of work in terms of fitness and stuff to go from bowling two, three, four overs to 10 overs and maybe six on, on the trot or something. So um, nice that we've got a little bit of time there to kind of get a bit of fitness up for that. But yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. It's just nice to be out playing cricket, really. Yeah, and um, obviously we talked back in February and you mentioned back then uh, you were you were brought into the, the Supercharger squad before even making your, your Diamonds debut. Just talk us through how that all came about and then the, the six months that followed from that kind of whirlwind period for you. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite strange, actually. I, funny story, I, I was on the sofa having a hungover Mackie's um, and I got a text from Danny, the Superchargers coach and the Diamonds coach, and she was just like, oh, like, just just a heads up, be ready in case we need you. So, like, it was back in the time where we had to be COVID testing. So she was just like, just make sure you're testing and training and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, fair enough. And then a few days later, she just rang me and said, you're in. So, yeah, it kind of came about pretty quickly. I was like, obviously never really expected that. Um, so spent probably the last three quarters of the tournament with them and played a game. So obviously that like you saw what it did for the women's game um, just to be around that, even though I only played one game, was class and learned a lot from that. And then, yeah, like I said, things kind of took off um, after that. I think before I got brought into the 100 squad, if, if you'd have told me that three months later I'd have a professional contract and whatever I'd have probably laughed at you to be fair so um couldn't really have asked for it to gone much better at the back end of last season so so yeah obviously and then like again had a great winter um blinking up with the Scotland squad again like six months earlier I didn't really wasn't really thinking about that happening and it, it like I said it happens really quickly when it does happen. So going right the way back I mean, you were born in the USA. So how did things begin for you cricket-wise? Um, I think, well, I moved I moved to England when I was fairly young. Um, and I think my older brother had played quite a lot of baseball over there. So I think naturally he just picked up cricket. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of picked it up, playing with my brothers and playing at the club near where we live um, and stuff like that. So... I kind of I got into it pretty early and I, I played a lot of football as well when I was younger so kind of had those two side by side until I was maybe 16 and then went down the cricket path. Yeah and when it came to more recent times and the step up to international cricket you had the choice of of USA, a uh, country of your birth or, or of Scotland. 
we're obviously yeah. really glad you made the choice that you have. But why did you uh, why did you plump for for Scotland in the end? Uh, I think it, like obviously I was born in USA, but I, like I don't really have any family there, um, and I don't really visit. So that like there's not a huge connection there. I don't really feel as passionately for the USA as I do for Scotland. Obviously, I'm like half of my family is from Scotland and. Um, so I felt like there was a bit more of a connection and like I could get behind playing for Scotland a lot more than I could for the USA. So that was kind of why I went down that road. Yeah, and you were straight into into it and, and straight in with about as tough an assignment as we've ever had, really, the Commonwealth Games qualifier in Malaysia yeah. um, just at the start of the year. So had the hosts, Kenya, and a couple of full members, of course, in Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. What what are your memories of that first trip and your, your first experience of, of international cricket? Yeah, I mean, it was challenging. It was, again, it came about pretty quickly. And like, it's, it's a very unnatural situation to be put into. Like I'd met the girls maybe once or twice and then you're going away for a month in a COVID bubble with them. Um, so it was quite like a strange experience, but obviously it's a great group of girls. So like I felt I fit in pretty quickly and, and settled in. Um, and then from a cricket perspective, like we knew it was going to be tough and conditions that we're not necessarily used to um, and some very good teams there. So I found it challenging. Um but probably one of like my favourite experiences I've had um, in my career so far, and I learned a lot. Um, so yeah, obviously I'm would have liked it to have gone better from a team perspective and personally, but that's it's cricket sometimes, and hopefully, well we've got the qualifiers in in a few months, so hopefully we can take some learnings from that and and bring them into the qualifiers. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you're probably in a pretty unique position in that you're coming into the squad from the sort of setup and expectations that are the norm down south. I mean, what's been your your impression of where we are in Scotland in terms of the squad and the setup around it, I guess, the things we're doing well or or need to be thinking about, perhaps? I mean, it's a really, really great group of girls and there's so many good cricketers in that squad. Um, I think one thing that stood out to me was how much responsibility the younger players took um, and that it wasn't all on Catherine and Sarah uh, to score runs and on Catherine to take wickets. The younger players definitely, well, like Ailsa, for example, I thought she, when I first met her, I thought she was like 22, 23 and she, she was like 17 or something. Um, so, yeah, like... A really the younger group of players are very mature and and step up and I think it's yeah it's just a really good group and I think it's a group that has a lot of potential um I mean obviously one thing that probably gets talked about a lot but is like professionalizing the sport and we kind of see what that what that's done for Ireland um obviously they've had a good win over South Africa recently and like having professional contracts and giving people the chance to train full time and not have to work around it is like, it's only going to improve things really. And like, we've seen that down here in England with the regional stuff, um, the standard from even the first year of regional stuff to now is the difference is ridiculous. So that's kind of a natural effect of 
giving people the opportunity because like there's it, there's no no one isn't saying that there's good enough cricketers there's a hundred percent good enough cricketers it's just hopefully that that opportunity will come for people yeah and, and as you say that massive global qualifier for the t20 world cup coming up at the end of the year huge opportunity for the team to hit new heights yeah definitely i think well we spoke about that before malaysia and i think obviously i've not seen been around the squad before that but from what the girls have said there's been a lot of positive steps taken in malaysia and i think one big takeaway we had from it is that we're not actually that far away from teams like sri lanka and bangladesh and we had a close game with Bangladesh and, you know, I think we were 60 for one off the power play against Sri Lanka. So there's the difference is not that much. It's just little things that are obviously helped by being a full member or being able to train full time. So, like I said, hopefully in the future that will come and people will get opportunities for that. And obviously the qualifiers is, again, a good opportunity for us to show how good a team we are. Thank you, Jake, for the uh, cricket questions. Now we're sort of on to the, the other side of the sport. Um, we've got a few questions for you. Just one that came to my mind from what you were chatting about uh, earlier. How big were the send-offs to Catherine and Sarah yesterday? Uh, to be fair, there was no send-offs. Cricket was the winner all round, I think. like The first three balls were just a shambles. The first three balls... Looked a lot like we'd had a week off with the Diamonds. So I think the first one was a wide that then went through the keeper's legs for four. Second one went through mid-off for four. Um, and then third ball, wicket. So, yeah, it kind of had everything. But like I said, Catherine's eye, I didn't realise it had hit the stumps. I'm not sure on the physics of how the ball got there. But um, she kind of like played on through her legs and then it kind of spun back around her legs. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know how it happened, but like I said, you take them, don't you? Take um, them every time. I'm sure there'll be times in the future when they take me for a few runs. So <laughs> keep the send-off for me and all. <laughs> uh, now, a question I've got here, it might be a test or it might not. Uh, do you remember what cap number for Scotland you are? Yes, 73. Oh, spot on. Very good. Um, okay. well, I, wear, I wear shirt number 72. Ah, right. Okay. It's like, it would have been quite cool if, had <laughs> if you got in one earlier. Um, I've got a quote from someone here, uh, and I'd like you to guess who gave me this quote. Uh, this one's fine. Um, the rest of them, I'm not sure. Uh, so I knew Rachel was going to be a professional cricketer when she was eight years old. She came to one of my games and got involved with the team playing on the sidelines and within about 30 seconds was directing the fielders, telling everyone where to go and was bowling at us. So was very confident from a young age. <laughs> um, my only guess would be my cousin, Mitchell. Yeah, so that's Mitchell Rao. So for those that don't know, Rachel's cousin is Mitchell Rao, who's obviously another Scotland international. Uh, but yes, that was that was Mitchell. Um, he he was also talking us through your uh, your Christmas indoor um, games that you would play, uh, the sort of uh, the Rao Slater series that would go on. Yeah, classic one hand one bounce uh, indoor, um, and then like in the summer or not even in the summer we'd play outside in the garden as well um but yeah I hear I get this story all the time about 
at one of Mitchell's games. And I think, <laughs> I don't actually remember it, but I don't doubt that it happened. It was a lot like me when I was younger. But yeah, um, I don't remember it, but yeah, we like, that's all I remember from being up with family in Scotland is just playing cricket. Um, and yeah, it was never easy, like no mercy from the boys. <laughs> yeah, like it's probably why I'm so thick-skinned. Um, like they never took it easy. Like it was the same with football. Like they'd never hesitate to two foot me <laughs> and stuff. So like at some point you've just got to learn that. Yeah. You've got to give it back, don't you? So, um, but yeah, that could have only been a quote from Mitchell. I yeah, that was Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, now who who said this from your tour to Malaysia with the Scotland team? On tour, she was just a total muppet. Uh, made us laugh a lot and a bit of a breath of fresh air. Could be anyone, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Anyone. Um, I'm gonna go with Abby Aiken Drummond. Oh, nailed it. Spot on. I didn't think you'd get that, but yeah, that was Abby. Um, yeah, she was. Uh, she was in her other text. She was very complimentary of you, but I thought I'd throw in the total muppet one. Um, so who asked this? Between you and Stara Kalis, renowned Netherlands batter, who has more international wickets? Stair. Oh, Stair talks about this all the time. He <laughs> talks about. Because um, <laughs> um, Beth Langston, as well, who plays for the Diamonds, she's played a couple of games for England, and I think Stair's got more than me and Langers put together. <laughs> so... Um, Wait, so one of my Scotland teammates. One of your teammates asked this, yeah. I I couldn't tell you, to be honest, but I know Stairs has got more international wickets. Yeah, unfortunately she does. Uh, it is a former Scotland player uh, in uh, Lee Kasparek. Uh, <laughs> She's probably heard Stairs banging on about it. So. <laughs> um. The next one, unfortunately, this was from Lee as well, so uh, I'm not going to hide behind who this is from, but she asked, where does she get her character from, and is it from her headband? <laughs> nah, I think it's navy blue gloves. Navy blue gloves. Navy blue. You wear navy blue Oh, that's, that's flair. That's I'm cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, powerful gloves. You can bring them to the Scotland team as well, though, so that's that's perfect. But yeah, that's where the character comes from. Nice, the gloves, cool. Uh, now, we've also been informed that you are Fines Master, is that correct? Yeah, I am Fines Master. Uh, what is the biggest fine you have witnessed as Fines Master this season? Um, oh my. Um, there's been a couple, to be fair. The one that springs to mind, Jenny Gunn got injured grating cheese. <laughs> um, there, um, we wear GPS units. They they cost a bomb, about three grand each. There, put hers in the washing machine. <laughs> um, they're probably the two that spring to mind. Um, yeah, pro- I'd say probably Jenny Gunn grating cheese. Not uh, great. Did she miss a game because of it? Uh, no, it was over winter. Oh, right, okay. Just some training. Yeah, just a lot of training. 
so our last question, and this is from this is going to be a regular question. We asked it last week to Mark Watt, and uh, we'd love to hear your answer on. If you were using a knife to cut bread, just bread on its own, would you wipe it clean and put it back in the drawer, or would you put it in the sink and wash it up? <laughs> put it in the drawer. No, no. This is I. Are we going to get this answer every single week? So I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm not great at cutting bread, so I have to, I have to get my my mum or dad to do it for me because I don't know what it is. I think it's because I'm left-handed. But I just I slice it so it's like the wrong way. So I kind of like don't get the bottom half of the bread. So um, I don't really slice bread often. I just buy sliced bread. Right. Okay. But I think I would wipe and put back in the drawer. Right. Okay. Well, that's the wrong answer, but uh, that's fair enough. I think that's two for wiping a knife down and putting it back in the drawer. No one's cleaning their cutlery properly. Yeah. Clara will be pleased. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel Slater, honestly, we had some fun recording that. That was so funny. That was so funny. You missed out. That that was a that was the best. I'm so that jealous. Was very, it was so funny. She was so game as well. It was great. She was. Um, I reckon we could have. I reckon we could have done a, like a part two easily. Oh, um, with, definitely. Like, some of that. I messaged her after, and she like <laughs> started like coming out with stuff. I was like, we need to get you back. Like, stop telling me stuff so we can get you back on <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Um, uh, and she's going to be a really good source of uh, when we need to ask questions about um, the women's team because she's she's got all the info. Oh, for sure, for sure. So apart from uh, cheese and the GPS, one thing that Rachel said that really stuck out for me as well when it was when I asked for her impressions of the team and how it went about its business too, and and she said how impressed she was with the way that everyone shouldered responsibility, uh, especially the younger players. And it struck me straight away how far we've come hearing us say that. You know, Peter Ross was on the other week talking about exactly the same thing, how in the past we used to rely really heavily on on Carrie, first of all, and then more recently Catherine and Sarah with the bat. And so it was really encouraging to hear Rachel's impression of that, of, of, of how things uh, seemed to her on the inside line, so to speak. Loads to look forward to anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, and if if you if you look at the ages of the of the women's team, the future is is super bright for for that group. So the sky's the limit for that group. So on with today and our performances of the weekend gone by. Now, Brocky, starting with you and a huge result that's blown the women's Premier League right open. Yeah, uh, my performance of the week uh, was an absolute belter of a game up in Aberdeen as uh, Carlton made the journey up on Sunday to to defeat the Northern Lights uh, in the Women's Premier League. I know it's tough for you, Jake, because your prediction was a Northern Lights victory, but um, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a cracking win for Carlton, and I think they, they definitely needed it. Um, and just a couple of great performances. Sam Haggle in the first uh, outing with the bat um, this season, getting 61, which proved to be absolutely vital uh, in that chase and uh, young Gabby Fontenla with a four for uh, I've seen her bowl um, and she's she's a real prospect um, but yeah Carlton Carlton getting that win away from home uh, is my performance for the week honestly I'm now at the stage where I have people texting me asking me not to tip their team to win 
<laughs> and, and Becky Glenn texted me to say, I'm not very happy with you at the moment on, on Sunday night. <laughs> so, oh my word, nightmare. Anyway, so uh, I mean, you say, yeah, absolutely massive, massive result, that one. Uh, and that's left the champions back on top of the table, uh, of course, and a great win for Dumfries and Galloway over Stuart's Melville too. So that game next week against the Lights is going to be is going to be massive. Well, apologies in advance for this one, Brocky, but I'm going to go with the game at Port Gower Place and Granger's win over Watsonians. Granger's total of 368 for eight was the club's second highest ever in a league game and was the third biggest conceded by Watsonians in any match in its history. Uh, many thanks to Neil Leach <laughs> and Stuart Oliver for those stats, Brocky. I'm so sorry. Um, so it's back-to-back hundreds for Chris Greaves now. He got 125 and there was a pretty stunning knock from Dylan Budge too, who got 109 off 67. So that's Grange in third, but level on wins with RHC and Heriots. Things are going to get interesting again in a couple of weeks, though, when the call-ups for that Cricket World Cup League 2 series for Scotland kick in. Grange play Heriots on the 9th of July, the day before Scotland play Namibia at Titwood. Both are sure to be looking at that as a big chance to put a little bit of daylight between them and the other, I think. Yeah, um, I did have the best view in the house for uh the the two innings there uh chris greaves very very composed hundred uh took his time didn't didn't give us a chance and uh, uh a well-deserved hundred but uh budgie's hundred was explosive it was not a traditional budge innings um but he did his role he, he took on a new role with with chris sort of knocking the ball about and and budge just went at our bowlers and it was it was really impressive to see I, I did have a great view from behind the stumps and some of the shots were, were absolutely outstanding and it was a long day in the field but um, sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say well played and they were thoroughly deserving of the win and those two especially were absolutely outstanding on the day. Yeah, looking really good, aren't they? And, and, and Heriots too. I mean, Gav Main took five for 40 against Stonywood Dice. Uh, and RHC too. Uh, Caleb Whiteford had a stunner against Falkland with six for 22, uh, which makes Caleb now RHC's highest ever wicket taker in the Eastern Premier, Clara. No, yeah, it's incredible to see. And like, Caleb's a good friend of mine, so it's really nice to see him doing well, especially um, like stepping away from the captaincy this year. I feel like he's just been able to play his game um, and just really focus on doing what he needs to do in the in the squad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Such a nice guy as well, Caleb, isn't he? So completing the honours board in the East is Matty Parker, who's 115 for our growth, was sadly not quite enough to get his side over the line against Dumel, uh, for whom Neil Tandle took five for 55. And then in the West, Tom Colgan's 114 and Callum Dutia's six for 21 got West of Scotland back to winning ways against Kelvin despite Garnet Tarr matching Colgan's innings for the visitors. But my candidate performer of the week would have to be Moa Wace, who was on fire for Uddingston against Langside. An unbeaten 154 for 106 balls with 24s and 6.6s. He is such a brilliant player to watch. Absolutely brutal when he gets going. That's his first 100 of the year, and it's taken him straight to the top of the averages, the place he finished the season in 2021. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be betting against him being there or thereabouts again come the end of this one too. So on to uh, Too Close to Call to finish off. Now, Clara, you took our prediction segment to a whole new level by predicting the result <laughs> of a game being played in a whole month from now. So um, so what are you going for this year? Are we are we going for this season or next? Or I don't know. 
I reckon I'll, <laughs> I'll go for 2024, I reckon. RHC, top of the table, 2024. You've heard it here first. That's my too close to call or prediction or whatever. Yeah, RHC, top of the table, 2024. So, so anyone for next week, perhaps? Um, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I didn't trust myself to so moving moving no very very quickly on <laughs> moving very swiftly on rocky how about you don't worry i've done my research this week i'm like clara i've gone for um a game that if you asked me at the beginning of the season if it would be a too close to call i'd probably say no but carlton men against stonywood i wasn't expecting carlton to be where they are at the beginning of the season um in the in the table i was picking them to be one of the top four uh, to go through the season. They're currently sitting in eighth. Um, but having said that, despite their slow start this season, I'm going to pick them for the win over Stonywood at home. Their openers, uh, Tom Simpson, their captain, and Shuja Khan are definitely overdue for some runs. So I'm going to predict one of them to get a half century uh, this weekend and get the win. Yeah, well... I'm going with the game uh, I'm actually planning to go to, uh, Sterling County's home match against Air, which should be an absolute cracker. Uh, they both go into the game on the back of losses. Um, Sterling were involved in what was the closest game of last weekend, that one-run loss to Dumfries, which went down to the last over the innings, uh, while Air lost at Prestwick, who are still sweeping all before them just now. But they both had good seasons so far, Air after that tricky start. Um, before they they hit their stride. New William Field is a great ground, fast outfield, excellent pitch, and both teams are really strong in the batting department. Um, I've already talked about Manas Sahari and Brandon McMullen on the podcast, and I'm a big fan of Mikey English and Neil Flack as well, as I've said before. So it's going to be tight. Um, I mean, regarding a prediction, oh, jeez, I can hear the glasses clinking in Sterling when I say that I fancy air for this one. Uh, (laughs) As as I said, the batting... (laughs) is really strong on both teams so it'll come down to the ball and air maybe just have the edge there but i i apologize to andy and the boys in advance uh if it all goes pear-shaped again oh no i've got one more thing oh, uh, go for it. so something arrived from the post for me today actually and i just wanted to sort of uh bring the attention not to the thing itself but just one thing in the book uh jake perry and gary Healy wrote a book about how scotland's cricketers broke the cycle of glorious failure and it's called playing with teeth. But there's just one thing in the book that I really wanted to highlight, uh, just going to the acknowledgements in the first page. And one of the names that really jumped out to me was, uh, yeah, thank you to Andrew Brock. So I just wanted to say on the podcast, Jake, you are so welcome. Excellent. Well, thank you too for all of your assistance with it. And that's very kind, very kind plug there. Um, yes. So Clara, over to you. Okay, that is all for this week. Thank you very much for listening. I promise next week I'll have actually looked at what's going on. I promise I do actually play cricket. I'll be better than ever. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.